Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This message is by Clive Urquhart. Now, uh, this morning we have uh, all our congregations together, so let's welcome Crawley and Worthing, shall we, as we're all joining together this week. So it's great to have all you guys uh, with us. And this week and next week, we are going to be looking at uh, living... uh, having mission as a lifestyle. Now, uh, Jane spoke last week, I was in uh, Worthing last week and Crawley the week before, hence not being here for the last couple of Sundays. Uh, But over the last few weeks, we've had a number of different messages. Uh, One from Pastor Colin that was, uh, remember the glass, the living water? And he put uh, ink in it that represented sin and how it's undrinkable in that sense. And then he had another glass, put some milk in it, and then it becomes very kind of... Not exactly the nicest tasting drink in the world, but God, God pours his fresh living water in us and, and then obviously through us in terms of how, what the world needs to receive from God through us as, as believers, as Christians. And uh, Jane last week spoke uh, about, continued on from that and from what I spoke about the week before, which was mainly to do with being a son of God uh, and taking in our sonship that we have the authority to go out in his name and then to share our faith. And she gave different analogies and examples of that. And so in one sense, to, to say we're going to look at a couple of weeks of mission as a lifestyle is like, well, aren't we already doing that? We are, but we're just going to look at it in, in a very specific way this Sunday and next Sunday. So this, this today, we're going to look at a little bit more from the word in terms of what that looks like. Uh, and then next week, we're going to have some real practical kind of stories of what's going on locally, but also what is going on globally. So we have quite a number of people overseas that work in different nations. And one of the things that I believe God wants to do is, is maybe uh, blow some of the myths when we use the word mission and what we think that means. Uh, and, and also just hear a little bit about what is going on overseas with some of the, the people in the church that we've sent out in different nations. And that will also give you the possibility not only to find out, but also there might be a particular uh, person or couple or, or, you know, in a nation and you think, well, I'd like to know more about what they're doing. And we're going to have lots of information out there next week uh, in our respective congregations. Uh, you'll have information there to uh, find out about the different individuals and maybe how you can then pray for them specifically or you might then even want to support them financially. Okay, So that, that uh, will be all communicated next week. But we just want to kind of frame it a little bit this week. And uh, so we're going to be talking about local and global in, in terms of the examples over the next couple of weeks. But it's really mission as a lifestyle. So when you hear the word mission... How often do you suddenly think, oh yeah, that's an overseas thing, or that's somebody who's working full time in one sense, that we say in another country somewhere. And, and God wants us to kind of move from our heads to our hearts, if that's how we think about it. And, and the mission, our witness, if you like, becomes a lifestyle in the way that we live. Now, in terms of the overseas stuff, um, we, we support a number of people, and we'll find out about them next week, and we give about £32,000 a year to those people that are out there. So roughly about £3,000 a month goes out in some kind of support to the people that are out there. Now, I know some of you already support some people individually and personally, which is brilliant. 
But as a church, what we do is we, we, we have like a tithe fund uh, of the income that comes in and we set aside 10% of that and what we give to those guys overseas comes out of that tithe uh, fund. And there's other ways that we, we use that so that there might be uh, other people, other churches, other things going on uh, that we know about. And uh, as a leadership, sometimes we're like, hey, it'd be great to just bless them and give them a gift, you know, towards whatever that church is doing or, or, or whatever situation it, it might be. So, uh, so we have that tithe fund, so that money goes out from there. So just to let you know, it's about that kind of figure, roughly a year, 32,000 that we give to uh, all the people in overseas-based stuff. Now, when we talk about a lifestyle, your lifestyle is determined by your convictions. The convictions that you have in your life determine how you think and, uh, and then the in, in regards to the revelation that you have as a Christian as to who God is and what that means in your life, that determines the convictions as to then how you live and the lifestyle that you basically develop. And, and so that's going to be developed around our beliefs and our convictions, but also we develop a lifestyle around our desires. Now, what our desires are connected to uh, affects the way we, we live. We spend our money, the things we, we choose to, to do with our time and our lives. And so... Uh, we want our lifestyle to be determined by the convictions of who God is in our life and then what he says through his word so that we're living out his word in our lives in a really practical, real way. Okay, So if you want to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, we're probably going to use the most obvious verse Okay, you could use to start with in terms of mission being a lifestyle or our witness being a, a lifestyle. So Acts 1 verse 8, many of you could probably quote this without even looking at it, but uh, we're going we're gonna to read it and just unpack it a little bit. So Jesus here at the beginning of Acts is speaking to the disciples and <clears throat> he's about to leave them and go up to heaven and so he's kind of just giving them some final instructions before he goes. And in this verse, he says to them, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus talks about four scenarios here. So he says, uh, you're going to receive power, first of all, uh, before we get to the four scenarios, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And so Jesus says here, when the Holy Spirit comes, there's a purpose as to why I'm going to leave you my spirit. And he gives the reason, because I want you to be full of power, because I'm going to go to the Father. The things that I'm doing on earth, I'm now passing on to you to do the same things on earth as I've been doing. So you're going to need the same power that I have used and, and been operating in if you're going to see the same things and greater things still. And then he goes on to quantify what that power is for. He then says the power that's going to come upon you will enable you to be witnesses in four different areas, in four different ways. Firstly, he talks about Jerusalem. And Jerusalem basically is where we live. So where you live your daily life, I'm going to empower you to be a witness, to share your faith, how you live, uh, by the convictions that you have and everything. So where you live. So for most of us in this room, it's Horsham. 
If you're in Crawley, it's going to be based around Crawley. If you're in Worthing, it's going to be based around Worthing. If you're in Burgess Hill, it's going to be based around there. Uh, It's going to be based around where you work. Uh, If you live in another town that's not any of those four, it's going to be wherever you live, in the streets, in the community, where you are. So there's an expression of God's life, which is full of power, according to Jesus, that he wants us to express locally where we live. Then he says, the next place is in Judea. Now for them, Judea was their nation. Okay, So he's then saying, you're going to receive power to be a witness in your nation. Now that can be a little bit kind of, well, how do we do that? Because uh, we are, everybody lives locally. How can you affect your nation? Well, together as the church, not just our church, but the church, God empowers the church to be a, an effective witness in the nation. Amen? And so there's a power not just locally, but also for the nation. Then he talks about Samaria. And Samaria represents different people groups. Uh, if you know, at the time then, the Samaritans lived there and, and the Jews didn't mix with the Samaritans. And so, therefore, we can translate that as other people groups, if you like, and, and not just your own indigenous kind of race or culture or wherever you come from. But actually, we're blessed because in our nation, we're such a multicultural, multiracial nation now that in our Jerusalem we have many different cultures, colours of skins and languages and everything. So we don't actually need to go far to witness to people that might not have been born here or raised here, but might have moved here from another part of the country or another country uh, to be here. So to Samaria, different people groups, and then to the ends of the earth, which is obviously nations going to other places. So... What is Jesus saying? He says, you have the same power whether, you, whether you're going local or whether you're going national or whether you're going global. It's the same power. Now, I think one of the myths when we talk about mission is um, if, if, if uh, for some reason we're going to pray for somebody and send them out and they're going to go to Timbuktu, uh, wherever that is, and, and, uh, and they're going to go overseas or as a missions person, Sometimes, or or without realising, we can think, right, so they're going to be operating in something more because they're being sent to do that than than I will in my daily life here. But we've just found out from Jesus that it's the same Holy Spirit whether you're going to your neighbour here or whether you're going to another nation to do something there. Also, another myth about mission is when we think about it and we think about going overseas is, well, if I go overseas, I'm going to see God do more through my life there because I'm going on mission. So the question then comes, why would you see more happen there just because you get on a plane or go on a boat and you go to another country than you would here when 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 you're living your life and reaching people here? Is, is, is there something that happens when you get on a plane or go on a boat and you land in another country that suddenly God turns up in a different way and, and does more than, than he would where you live locally? I don't know, I'm just asking a question this morning. Is that okay? And uh, so, for example, let's use a couple of examples of, of some of our guys that are out there. So Matt and Rowan Hellier are in Bosnia, got to pronounce this word, Herzegovina, okay? And... They're out there reaching, primarily reaching young people. Okay, there's a lot of Catholics there and a lot of Muslims in that culture, and uh, and they're reaching those people. Now, what are they doing there? 
basically what they're doing practically in reality is what they were actually doing here, but they're just doing it there now in another country. So they're doing youth work, youth ministry there that they were doing here. So they base a lot of it around music and creativity and everything. That's what they were doing here. So they saw young people's lives impacted and changed here, but they're now in in this other country where they're seeing young people's lives impacted and changed there. Um, So in one sense, it's not like they were doing something here and then God said, I want you to go to Bosnia, and, and they got inside a telephone box and came out the other side, and then suddenly they were, they were like Superman, you know, with pants on the inside and whatever, and they became something else. No, God took them in the gifting and the grace and the anointing on their life, but he just placed them in another place and wanted to release what is in them there. Are you understanding me? It's, it's to do with where God has called you to be in any season of time in your life, then determines where you're going to be a witness. And you can say, yeah, but they're doing that full time. Yeah, that's fine. But we're all full time in terms of being a witness. Because wherever we are, our attitude comes out in life. How we are comes through in whatever context we are in. Okay, so another lady, Claire Hollis, she works for Wycliffe Bible Translators in Africa. And some of her giftings are finance, accountancy and finance and administration. Okay, and... She's there and, and now, after a number of years, she heads up all the finance and administration for what is going on in many nations in Africa in terms of what Wycliffe are doing. But when she was here, she had the same giftings and was involved in the same kind of thing in terms of how her giftings were operating and being used. But God said, I want to take that gifting and I want to take you as a person. I want to place you in another country because actually that country and that, that region and what I'm doing there needs that gifting that is in your life, and so I want to place you to release something here and not just there. It's not like she suddenly started to do something completely different over here than she was doing there. Are you all right? Are you with me this morning? So in terms of when over this next couple of weeks, we're talking about mission as a lifestyle, okay? This is, this is more about who we are than it is what we do. Okay, so let's have a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 and 20. This is Paul writing to the Corinthians. And uh, he says here, God has given us or has committed to us, as in the church, he's speaking to the church in this context, the message of reconciliation, to reconcile people back to God, the gospel basically. We're therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. I think that's an amazing verse. So he's saying here that it's as if God was here himself. That's how God wants to work through our lives. So we are Christ's ambassadors. How many of you know that ambassadors have some special access that normal people don't? So when an ambassador goes to a nation, he represents that nation when he goes there. And he can bypass certain things because he's an ambassador. He has an assignment that he's given on behalf of a nation and he carries the authority of that nation when he goes to another place. Now, we know that because we're now believers, we're now Christians, we're part of another kingdom than, than than the United Kingdom. We're still citizens here, but we're also citizens of another kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. But that kingdom is also here on earth because Jesus came and brought that kingdom from heaven to earth. 
And he says here, I've now made you ambassadors as if I was here myself. So Jesus is now with the Father, but he says, but we need ambassadors on earth who carry the authority of the kingdom that is now on earth. I want ambassadors to carry that authority and release that out into the natural world so that my kingdom then begins to rule and reign on earth as it is in heaven. We know a lot of this stuff. But it's just reminding us, this is, this is how God looks at our lives in terms of the daily way we live and witness uh, in, uh, in whatever context that we are in. Okay? Then Matthew chapter 9, 35 to 38, it says here, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. It says here that Jesus went through all the towns and villages. Now, we're not going to do that in a, individually, go through all the towns and villages. Jesus, this is why he came. He came and that's what he did every day for three and a half years, went everywhere so that everybody could hear the gospel. But between us in this room and in Worthing and Crawley and Burgess Hill and wherever town we live, there are many towns that we represent. There are many communities in here and in our church and the different congregations that are represented by where we live and by other believers of other churches. And it's like Jesus saying to the church, in the same way that I went to all the towns and villages, teaching, preaching, and bringing the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness, that's the, the commission I give you as believers, as the church, as ambassadors on earth. In every town, in every village, God wants a kingdom expression of who he is. So we're part of something much bigger than kingdom faith. But wherever we live as kingdom faith, we want to we be moving in, uh, in the things that God is, is saying. But then let's have a look in verse 36. He said, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion. Uh, Aaron Jane, uh, who's a friend of, uh, most of you remember Aaron, he leads uh, Coastline Church in in. California in Carlsbad where, where Joe, our eldest son and his wife Jess live and the part of that church. I can remember him saying years ago he used to work in the Dream Center in, in Los Angeles and they reach all the kind of street people, drug addicts, homeless, prostitutes and, and all kinds of scenarios there in that city. And when he was there, I can remember he, he spoke, um, it, it wasn't there, he was speaking at a, a youth thing over here, but when he was based there, and he said, uh, lots of Christians pray for compassion. I say, God, give me your heart. Give me compassion. I need you to break my heart for the lost and give me a heart for the lost. And he said, he said, what I found is the best way of doing it is just to go out there and look at the need. Just go and look at people. Just go to, and, and, and he said, that's when God will do something in, in, in your heart and in our hearts. When we see something, God begins to work and a compassion is then released when we see the need. And, and so, I mean, he went to far say, he said, oh, he said, so I wouldn't bother in a meeting saying, God, give me your compassion and, and we're waiting for this compassion to come. He said, just go for a walk this afternoon or tomorrow in your town or in the community or an area where you know is, is quite tough or there's issues and just walk through and ask the Holy Spirit, God, as I walk round, would you give me your heart for the people here and would you do something in me so that as I look around, your compassion is released. And then Jesus says why that happened. He said, or... or, or, or uh, <clears throat> Matthew when he's writing he says Jesus saw the crowds and he had compassion because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd 
so that's one part in terms of seeing compassion released. Then he said to his disciples, in that context, the compassion kind of flowing, he then said, the harvest is plentiful. Hey guys, look at, at, at what's going on. Look at where people are at. Look at that. They're harassed and helpless. There's such a harvest, but, but we haven't got enough workers for the harvest. So he said, hey guys, ask the Lord, pray to, to the Lord of the harvest to therefore send out workers into the harvest field. Now, how many of you know when you start praying something, God often makes you you're the other end of it to answer that prayer? He seems to work like that, doesn't he? And uh, so in the next chapter, it flows in. That's the end of chapter 9. It then flows into chapter 10. And straight away, Jesus said, it says, He called the 12 disciples to him and he gave them authority. So last week when Jane was speaking and then a couple of weeks before that when I was speaking, we spoke about sonship. And in, in sonship, firstly, there's that acceptance because you're brought into the family there's then an inheritance that you're given. With that inheritance, you then have a right to exercise and do something with that inheritance. But then you have authority with it because it's yours to then uh, do with it what is right to do with that inheritance. And so <clears throat> this is what Jesus is doing here. He's saying, hey guys, effectively you're operating as sons of God on earth. So I'm giving you authority over the devil to drive out evil spirits and then to heal every disease and sickness. And as you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. But as you go, don't just preach. Also heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy and drive out demons. Freely you have received and freely give. I was, uh, I was here a couple of weeks ago on a Saturday morning just praying. And um, <clears throat> when I'd finished, uh, I don't know what time it was, about half nine, something like that. And... <clears throat> I went outside and, and the, there's a garage across the road or a, or a car place that kind of, and they mainly seem to do like Porsches and Ferraris in terms of uh, maintenance, uh, uh, servicing, all that. And they seem to they obviously look after people's cars. And uh, outside the, um, the, their workshop, there, there were three Porsches and one of them was like a really classic 1972-73 Porsche that's worth about half a million pounds these days if you, if you sell it or buy it or whatever. And because it was over there and I like Porsches, and I thought, right, I'm just going to go and have a look at it and have a look around this car. So I was just standing there looking at it and uh, thanking the Lord for his provision. No, I wasn't. And uh, <laughs> I thought, let's take an off. No, we won't go there. And um, <laughs> you know how that will get out. Pastor takes offering for half a million pound Porsche, all that rubbish. So um, anyways, look at this car. While I was just having a quick look at it before walking home, a guy pulls up in, in his car and, uh, a, a, another Porsche, a convertible thing. He gets out. He's an older retired gentleman. And, and I'm just having a quick look around this car thing. You know, it's a nice car or whatever. And as he, he, he's about to go in. But as, just before he goes in, he says, nice car that, isn't it? And I went, yes, lovely. You know, really nice. And then he walks over and, and, uh, and he starts to chat. And we, we end up, we start talking about cars. And he starts talking about his car and all all the things about it and everything. And, uh, and <clears throat> so we're kind of just chatting, really, about his car. Or he's talking to me about his car. And uh, so as we're doing that, uh, he mentions a few things that, he, you know, he's, he's retired and he, he used to be an engineer and he, he, he's done various things in the context of talking about his car. So I'm kind of just listening and, and, and everything to him. And, uh, and then he says, uh, so what do you do? <laughs> you know. He, you know, 
So he said, what do you do? And I said, we see that building there? He says, yeah. I said, it's a church. And straight away he goes, all right, it's all right. I don't, I don't want to go there. He said, I'm an atheist. And I said, okay, fair enough. And uh, he said, no, no, no. He said, uh, he said, religion are the cause of all the wars. There's so many, all the problems come from religion. And uh, I said, yeah, you're probably right there on, on a lot of things. Uh, I said, but I'm not into religion. And uh, he said, no, no, no. He said, we'll stop there. He said, otherwise you're going to try and convert me. <laughs> you know? And uh, I said, look, I'm, no. I said, look, all, you just asked me what I, what I do. And I'm just saying, see that building there? It's a church. And, and so I'm the pastor of the church or the minister or whatever, you know. And he goes, oh, right, right. So you're a religious sort then, are you? And I said, well, what do you mean by a religious sort? You know? And he said, oh, you're into all this religion and God stuff and, and all that. He said, I don't believe in any of it. And I said, well, I'm, I'm not really into religion. I said, can I just let you know what I believe for a minute? And, and he goes, no, no. He said, because you only want to convert me. And uh, I mean, it, it was a quite a jovial. It wasn't like he was being really like, you know, it was quite a jovial kind of way. And he said, no, no, no. You're only going to try and convert me. And I said, look, I said, uh, I said, Knowing God is about relationship. It's about having a friendship with God and realising that actually we're here for more than just what we, what we see in front of us here day to day and everything. And, and <clears throat> he's like, he looked at me and he goes, you don't look like a religious type. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's good because I'm not religious. I said, so if I look religious, you'd say, you look the religious type. So I obviously don't look religious because I'm not. And he goes, right, okay, yeah. And uh, so <clears throat> I, said, uh, I said, so what, what's your issue then? Why are you, why, you say you're an atheist and you haven't got time for all this sort of stuff. Why? What, what's, what's the reason? He goes, oh, it's just all the cause of wars and it's all the problems and everybody's always bickering over this, that and the other. And I said, well, maybe you should come one Sunday morning. And just find out what we're like, you know. And he goes, no, no, no. He said, I'm busy Sunday mornings. And I'm saying, yeah, well, okay, mate. I said, but we start at 10 o'clock every week. And I said, maybe not come at 10, but we finish around half 11. Maybe come at half 11. And just come and have a look around and pick up the feel of who we are and just meet some people. And he goes, well, what type of people do you have come along to your church? So I thought, right, do I really be on it? No. And, and so... Uh, so I said, I said, we have amazing people at our church. I said, we have all different ages, generations. We have single people. We have families. We have grandparents. We, we have people from different nationalities, different backgrounds, and all kinds of people. Uh, and and uh, he said, right. He said, uh, so do you have any young people then? I'm like, yeah, we have you know, lots of young people. And he goes, he said, I wouldn't have thought that at church these days, you know. And I said, well, you might be surprised, mate, you know. And, and we ended up having a chat for about half an hour. And we went in more about what, what do I believe, what it means to have a relationship with, with Jesus and everything. And he said, uh, he said, he said, if we had more, this is what he said. He, he had said at one point, all these old church buildings, he said, I think we should just flatten them all and build nice houses there instead or something. But then he said, he said, that, he said if your church is what you say it is, he said, I think we need more churches like that then. You know, so the difference in a, in a 45, 50 minute conversation from the beginning where he was like, no, no, not interested. The first part, he was definitely, no, we're not going there. And, um, but by the end of it, he was much more, he, he'd ask, he started asking questions and his, 
his, his whole kind of demeanour had changed. Instead of being quite defensive, he'd started to actually relax and chat and, and everything. And, and it's in those moments, isn't it, where I just went to have a quick look at this car over the road and, and the next thing, you're in a conversation with somebody. So I did say to him, I said, would you, would you mind if I give you my phone number? And if you want to call me at any time or text me, and if you want to come on a Sunday, he goes, no, no, no. He said, I, I, well, I said, well, I said, would you, would, would you want to give me yours? And he goes, no, I can't do that, you know. <laughs> I said, okay. And, um, but then he said, uh, he said, look, if you really want to get hold of me at some point, he said, the garage here, they have my number. So if you do want to get hold of me in the future, then they just go in there and ask the particular guy who runs it, um, ask him for my number. And uh, I know they're not going to give it to me because they don't work like that, don't they? You can't do that these days. But... Um, but I said, look, I said, you know where we are. I said, you're more than welcome any time just to come and check it out. You can come and sit at the back. You can just come into the coffee shop. You can ask people any questions. You can ask them the things I've told you and find out, am I lying to you or not? Am I telling you the truth? And all that kind of stuff. And, uh, but it's, it's in those moments, isn't it? Now, I don't know who else has spoken to him before I did. And I don't know who's going to talk to him after I've spoken to him. Um, but he heard the gospel and he heard what it meant to know Jesus and, and how you give your life to Jesus. I mean, managed to get that into the conversation about, you know, you ask God to forgive you for your sins and he forgives you and he, he, he gives you a totally new start and, and all of that. Managed to, you know, so we want to be available at any given time, don't we, to, to, to share our faith or ask, uh, answer people's questions. Um, Ephesians chapter 5, just a couple more things then we're going to pray. I'm not going to be a, a sort of go on this morning and you'll go hallelujah. Um, Ephesians chapter 5, what does Paul say to the Ephesians? He says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, verse 11, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. This is the verse here. In relation to that, and we know what our culture and society is like at the moment, okay? And, and a lot of what is happening that as Christians we don't agree with uh, and everything. And, but, so he says here, Don't have anything to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. But then in verse 15 he says, Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Sin is sin. In any generation, whether you go back to that time a couple of thousand years ago, or whether it is today in 2018, the nature of sin does the same thing in people's hearts and lives, whether back then or whether today. We're just much more aware of what's going on and how things are because of social media, because of the news, because of all that stuff. But back in that culture in the Roman Empire, it was, it was, uh, they were pretty raw in terms of what they got up to. And, uh, and in that kind of context, Paul is writing to, to people saying, hey, in the, in, in the context of all the deeds of darkness, all the stuff that's going on around you, be really careful how you live. Really watch your life closely because that's part of being a, a witness. But when you do get an opportunity, make the most of it. Make the most of that moment. Because the days we're in are evil. We don't know what's going to happen in people's lives and what's going to take place. So we want to make the most of it. Then 
in Colossians, he, he's writing to these guys and he says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Then he says the same kind of thing that he said in Ephesians. Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders or those that don't believe. Make the most of every opportunity. I love this bit. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I, I, don't, I don't believe there are just pat answers. We need to know what we believe and what we, how to communicate our faith. But a conversation with one person is going to be slightly different than the next. And so it's not that we just have rigid answers that, to, to say, because in any conversation, because of where the person's at, you're going to have to be kind of listening and sensitive and what's right to say now and, and everything. But Paul says here, let your conversation be always full of grace. What does that mean? We don't start arguing with people. It means being full of grace is actually not telling people, no, you're wrong, I'm right, or coming across like that. Being full of grace, like the guy when he said to me, I'm an atheist, not interested, la, 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 la. I didn't then come at him and tell him why he shouldn't be an atheist and all of that kind of stuff. I thought, well, you know, let's just see where this goes. And, and loads of people use the word religion, don't they? Yes. Well, I'm not into religion. And it's like, well... What, what do you mean by religion? And, and it's like, well, forms of this, that and the other. People, they just go to church and it's all form. It's all, there's, no, there's no reality to it. There's no authenticity to it. I mean, that's, that's what this, where this guy was coming from. And uh, so we want to be full of grace when we speak to people. So we don't have a hard response. We don't treat people harshly. No matter who they are, whatever their lifestyle, full of grace, seasoned with salt. So as we're speaking to them with a very gracious attitude and, and heart, we, we want that the conversation then to have some salt, have some flavour in it, have some God in it. But how God comes into it, we have to be sensitive in that moment as to how we're going to say something and how that conversation is going to go so that you may know how to answer everyone. So we need to know what we believe to be able to answer people. Um, <clears throat> But we didn't get into some really deep thing about atheism with him because I don't want to talk about atheism. I want to talk about Jesus with him. And so my question to him was, well, why are you an atheist? Um, and so you, you've lost all that thing to do with religion. I'm not talking about religion either because I agree with you. How he described religion, I said, that's exactly how I would see it, mate. We're, we're in agreement here. But can I talk to you about something else? that you may not have considered, which is called relationship. And so it moved the conversation onto something else. But I asked him a question. Can I, can I talk to you about something else called relationship? And he said, well, all right then. You know, and, and so it was, a, it was a cordial conversation. And at the end of it, he was like, well, if there were more churches around like yours, then maybe the world would be a better place. You know, and everything. It's like, okay, who knows what God's going to do with that one. So... Just some practical things, okay, that we're going to look into a little bit more next week. Some different examples. So if we, we, we want to live a missional lifestyle, that means we want our lives to be a witness. So that means we don't put an evangelistic hat on. So now I'm going to go and be evangelistic now, or I'm going to go and do this now. Now our life is a witness in any given moment, an opportunity may arise. 
and a witness is just as much a high and a smile and a whatever it is. I mean, Jane and I, we live just across the road from Tesco Express up around the corner. And so we're, we're obviously popping in there quite regularly for bits and pieces to buy. And, and therefore, the people that work in there, you know, you see them quite regularly. And, and you know, just to, to, I don't want to just be another customer, but you can be in there and say, hi, how are you doing today? Oh, great, how's it going? Now, some of them know here and what, what we do, you know, you're, you, you're from the church there, aren't you? And uh, sometimes you get the question, oh, how's the church going these days? Yeah, it's going great, things are really good. And, uh, and, and it's easy then to say, you, you're, you know, do you want to come to something that we're doing? Um, is there anything you're interested in? Like we have some women's things going on and uh, we've got a meal coming up. So if you'd like to, would you be interested? Well, I don't know. But if I don't ask the question, I'm not going to get an answer. Do you know what I mean? But often I go in there, it's like, hi, how are you doing today? You know, and, and wanting to not just be, here's my card, pay, but I want to get out of here. But just in those little things, because I know I'm going in there regularly. It's, it's like, um, and I know one or two of them who work there have been here to one or two things. So you're kind of aware... Uh, of that as well. But anyway, um, here's a couple of different examples of, of us being a witness in our lives and understanding it, it's not what we do that is important, but it's who we are. So Colin Squires, um, he runs a rock climbing small group and they meet they, every Tuesday night, they go rock climbing and some of the people that are part of that group are not Christians, they don't know Jesus, and, but yet they're going. And in that context, he's obviously with other guys from the church, people rock climbing, other friends they're inviting, or people they just get to know, and, uh, and, and they're doing that. Now, obviously, he's being a witness in there, and he's, he's been seeing some things happen in some of the people's lives. So I'm not going to tell you any more, because we're going to hear some stories next week. So you could say, well, that's an activity. Well, exactly. It's an activity he enjoys doing, and as he enjoys doing it, he's thinking, well, actually, rather than just going on my own, what I could do is I could turn this into a small group, take some other people, and actually this could become a bit of a witness because I like rock climbing, but I like Jesus too. And, and I want this to become a very natural way of witnessing to people. Katie uh, leads little builders in Horsham. And who leads little builders in Crawley? Carrie leads little builders in Crawley. So what is at the heart of that? We want to reach people. We want to spend time with primarily with mums and their kids, but we want to reach people and ultimately we want to talk about Jesus with them. So that those two small groups in Crawley and Horsham, although there's a number of ladies who form that small group, their heart is to reach a lot of people. And so when they meet at different mornings in the week in different buildings here and in Crawley, there's a whole lot of mums or, or, or parents or carers that come into the respective buildings with kids and, uh, and there's a lot of hanging out, but then conversations develop. And, and you can say, well, that's an activity, yeah, but it grows out of the heart. So Collins is, a very much, Collins is very much a, a sport, hobby, interesting, and he's doing that, but just turned it into a, a way of reaching people. Uh, Little Builders is, we've got a heart for these ladies, and in this environment, actually, this is, this is great. But not only is that about that small group, but that enables other mums in the church to say, actually, Little Builders is a great opportunity to go to with my kids, but also I could invite another mum I know with her kids and we could go there because Katie and these other ladies are, are putting on, giving this context where actually I can take somebody and that can begin to be a witness into their lives. And we're going to hear more about that next week. In Worthing, in the congregation there, quite a number of people involved in homeless outreach and ministry in the town in Worthing. What's the heart? The heart is to reach people. 
but there's a, a, a context or, a, or a, um, <clears throat> a form or a way that they're doing that. But the heart is we want to reach people. Um, then we have life discovery. We're going to hear about that next week. And, and what is that? That is an activity-based event around sort of motorsports and activities where, where we can bring people that maybe would at this stage not come near a church at all, but would be open to come into a day like that where they can have a great time, a lot of fun, but also hear the gospel and hear who Jesus is. Now, the, the, uh, Jonathan Crouch and the guys that run that, Jonathan's been running that for over 25 years, and, uh, and has, has seen many, many lives impacted and, and saved over that period of time. So there's a team of people, some from the church, some of them from other churches in the area. What is the heart? The heart is we want to see people's lives changed. So they just have created a context in which people can hear the gospel and have an opportunity to respond. Or it helps them to move from a place of not interested in, in what I think church or God is, but I might go to that. And, and then God does something in people's hearts there. And then they might want to take a next step. Well, what's next? Where do I go from here? You know, So... There's, there's these different environments that are, are created in different ways, but the heart of it is I just want to be a witness, just want to share my, my faith. Then there's the workplace. A lot of us are at work uh, every day or, or most, you know, most days in the week. And <clears throat> for some of you guys, you really know the workplace, there's a, you feel a real calling to the workplace because of what you do. And we understand, actually, I'm not just turning up because I need to work my hours to, to, to get my pay. But actually, this is a place of call. This is a place where God wants to work through my life. And maybe some more than others really know there's an anointing on you in that kind of environment. And that's where God's really wanted to release all the giftings and the grace in your life to impact business and in different sphere of influence there. But all of us who go into the workplace, we want to go in there with a sense of call, a sense of purpose. I'm here as a witness, actually. And how I am today... I don't know who might be watching. I don't know who might have found out I'm a Christian. And, and how many of you know when you're out there and, and you find out that people find out you're a Christian, then they expect to be perfect. And, and when you're not, they're like, uh, there, uh, black spot, I've seen it. I thought you were white and pure, you're a Christian, but you've got a little black dot right there. Seen it, so you're not perfect. Do you know what I mean? It's like people watch us without realising it sometimes. And other times you know people are watching you. But it's the workplace, what a great place to be a witness uh, in that sense. So just to use an example of a Sunday morning, I know it's not a workplace, or, but Sunday morning, if you're on the Connect team, for example, and you're, you're, which involves everything from car parking to the welcome to new people to making sure the place is ready for everybody to arrive, and, uh, and, and the ministry team who pray for people at the end, everybody who's somehow involved in the Connect team, the hub and everything, a part of making Sunday happen, right? Um, if you just said, look, we need a few volunteers to park cars, and, and people go, well, that's a scabby job, isn't it, parking cars? Or, well, we need a few people to clean the loos, uh, you know, can't I do something else? Can't I be the worship leader, you know, or whatever? Because that's, that's a bit more, yeah, isn't it, you know, or whatever. But actually, if we just look at something like car parking and say, well, the, the, the guys need volunteers for car parking. But if we think of it in a different way, because how you think about something determines what kind of heart you put into it. So if you think, actually, why do we park cars? Why do we welcome people? Why do we greet new people? Why do we want the place to be nice when everybody arrives? Why do we want to be ready to pray and minister to people? Why? Because we want to see lives change. 
So no matter whether you walk into the door on a Sunday and you already know Jesus or whether you don't, why do we want to park cars and welcome people and greet people? Why? Because we want to see your life change today. We want to see your life impacted today. So when you think about going into the workplace tomorrow or this week, whenever you're working, and you go in there, say, why am I going to work today? I'm going Because I'm going to see lives changed. When you go to your small group and you go rock climbing or little builders or the homeless or life discovery or whatever it is that you're part of and expressing your faith in, why am I doing this? Because I want to see life changed. And when we understand that's what we're about, now our lives have been changed. Okay, Your life has been radically changed from what it used to be like, right? You're chalk and cheese compared to what you used to be like. Yes, we know we're, we're being made into his likeness as we walk with him, right? But it's not, I'm still a scabby whatever and I'm still trying to get to here with Jesus. You are a completely different person than you used to be. And so therefore, now we know him, it's like we're, 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 we're on it 24-7. It's like there's a grace on us because of the Holy Spirit to be a witness in terms of our, our lives. So let's stand together, shall we? Because this uh, sort of time is... He's going, but then what is Paul saying as you're standing? 1 Corinthians verse 9. He, in a few verses, he's talking about, um, though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I came be like a, like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under it, so as to win those who are under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law to Gentiles. Though I am not free from God's law, but under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. It's like, what on earth are you talking about there, Paul? What is he basically saying? I've become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I might save some. So what he's saying is, no matter who I come across, I just I, I want to be all things to all. I want to be available for whatever they might need in that moment. And I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Amen? Right, let's just shut our eyes for a moment. And um, this, this kind of conversation, is, is easy to go, yeah, we've heard this before. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. And the first thing we're going to do this morning is we're going to take authority over familiarity. How many of you know that God will keep saying the same thing to us in our lives, whether personally or together, because he's wanting to activate something and us to live in something and be fruitful in something. And so we're going to take authority over familiarity, especially if you've been part of the church for a while, because it's, it's easy at times, if you're part of something for a while, to say, well, yeah, well, that's the kind of thing we say at our church or that's the kind of message we're going to get. And if we're not careful, what can happen is we become familiar with our surroundings. We can, without realising it, we can begin to take for granted what we're part of. Not because we've chosen to or we've got a bad attitude or anything like that towards it, but familiarity is a sneaky little thing that likes to sneak its way in a little bit and just take the edge off and, and sometimes we can come to a situation and, and, and actually say, so I want, what's the latest revelation that we're going to get? And is Pastor Colin or Pastor Clive or Jane or whoever's going to be speaking, are they going to come with something that's fresh and something that's different or, or whatever in that sense? 
And obviously, we have a responsibility as, as leaders to, to be listening to the Lord and, and bringing what God's saying and, and building faith and encouraging and, and, and all of that. And at the same, but, but we all have to guard against familiarity. Pastor Colin, we, we, are, we are amazingly blessed. I know he's my dad, but I, just park that for a minute. Um, but in terms of who he is spiritually, as an apostle... And his heart after God. We are, we are blessed to have Pastor Colin. And the wealth and the depth of the anointing on his life. And when he teaches and when he brings stuff. He really does make profound truths simple. And so we just want to make sure there's no familiarity in our hearts towards him in any way. Um, but also, we want to make sure we're not familiar in any way towards one another, to, in our surroundings, what we're part of. Because familiarity begins to take things for granted. So, this is not the focus of the message, and I purposely didn't talk about it, because it's not the focus. But I believe, in terms of what we're hearing this morning, about mission as a lifestyle, and living as a witness, and then what we're going to hear next week, in terms of the, some of the practicals and stories and testimonies locally, but also some things globally, um, we, we just want to come make sure we've got fresh ears because it's not about what we hear and what we are used to hearing. The Christian life is about what we're living and how we're expressing the life that God is leading us in. So maybe, I don't know, maybe this is not relevant for you, this particular part, maybe it is. But it, even if you think it is or isn't, let's just take authority over familiarity in any way, shape or form. I've, I've done that in my own life over the last couple of weeks in various things where I know I've just become familiar with certain things and, and take certain things for granted around here and uh, just in myself. And so I know I'm, I'm taking authority. I'm, I'm not coming under that. I'm not coming under a sneaky little thing like that that wants to take the edge off. So let's just do that right now. So you, obviously you need to pray out something and not just think something with your mind. So let's just all join together and take authority right now over any familiarity. And if you know that is relevant for you, then, then just say, Father, I ask you to forgive me where I've become familiar with whatever it is. The, the, the thing around here, the worship or the teaching or everybody that's around here or what we do on a Sunday or just the life of the church. Any familiarity in any way, Father, I don't want that in my life in any way, shape or form. And so I take authority over that familiarity now and I, and I break that off of my mind. I break that off of my life right now that I'm not under any familiarity or anything like that that wants to kind of dupe me, that wants to sneak in and take the edge off. Uh, of my life in any way, shape or form. So I'm not going to live under that familiarity. Instead, Father, I thank you for that fresh revelation of who you are, who I am in you, who we are as a church, who we are as a people. And Father, I just choose right now to embrace what you're saying to us as a body at this time in a fresh way so that in the way that the enemy wants to try and pinch us in and cause us to slow down, I'm just, I, I choose right now to push through, to punch through right now into that open space, into that, if I could put it this way, into the harvest field of what God is doing, then I choose right now just to push through any familiarity, anything that want to hold me back because I'm not going to be restricted by that in any way, shape or form. Just, I know time's gone, but... A little while ago, I had a vision. Uh, I was walking down a road, and I had the choice of going in two directions. One looked a really nice road to go down. The other looked narrow and dark and, and difficult. But I just knew, got to go down that route. 
And I went down that route. And as I went down that route, all the trees started to crowd in to the point where I was completely kind of squashed in with these trees. And even some of the branches were beginning to dig into my arms and everything. And it, it was like... Uh, it was like these things were trying to stop me from going forward. And in that moment, I just knew, I, heard, I just knew punch through, punch through, punch through. And as I was, uh, it felt like I couldn't really move or I felt restricted. But then I just punched through this thing and it was like my arm went through this, this dense lot of trees. And suddenly, as it happened, this space opened up in front of me and all I saw was this massive field. And it was like I was saying, that's your harvest field. That's a harvest field. And in this harvest field were loads of huge crates. And in one crate, it was, it was full of money. In another one, it was full of items, like things, resource bits. Another one was like full of buildings. Another one was full of people uh, that are going to be raised up and released. But the harvest, and, and it's like God said, everything you need is out there in the harvest. Everything you need. So you've got to gear everything to harvest. And the enemy wants to stop that, because he, and, and that's why he was trying to push you down. And as you punch through, it's like, uh, uh, you come out into this harvest field. And I was standing on the edge of this thing. It was white as far as I could see to the right, the left and that way. It was just white. But there was these crates all over this thing I could see. And it was like God was saying, as you begin to go into the harvest field, then, then these crates are going to open. And what you need at any given moment is in the crate, is in the next one, the next one, here, 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 here and here. But it's all out there. So it was like, don't wait for something, move towards it. So in our lives personally, we want to move towards what God is saying. So it's a time to punch through uh, in terms of what God is saying. So are you ready? Take authority over any fear now in result of what we're saying. Where fear says, oh, you're a rubbish witness. It won't work. People won't like you. Because fear cripples. Fear wants to stop you. And you've not been given a spirit of fear, but one of power, love and of a sound mind. So just thank the Lord right now that fear is not going to intimidate, hold you back in any way. But actually, being, thank you for the power, the love, and, the, of a, and a sound mind. I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. And now just thank God that here's your wisdom that you need. That when you're in a situation, Father, I thank you. You give me the words, the sensitivity. Thank you that you say that you grace. I want, I want my conversation to be full of grace, but seasoned with salt. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you this week for opportunities, whatever they're going to open up. Thank you for opportunities. And you know, when God speaks to us, we need to position our lives in in relation to what God says. So all these examples we gave, what are people doing? They're positioning their lives for things to happen. And you're going to hear some stories next week of what God is doing in those different scenarios. So they're just contexts, but it's what goes on in it, the people and the heart. So... Father, I thank you that through all the small groups and all the different things, our personal witness with our neighbours and at work and all the things going on, Father, we just thank you that this season, we just thank you for a greater release of your fruitfulness, of your salvation. We thank you for healings and miracles. We thank you for the supernatural taking place in people's lives. So, Father, we praise you. We exalt you for the lives that are ready to come to know you in these next few days and weeks and months. And we exalt you over our lives, over our families, over our homes, over our going out and our coming in. We thank you, Jesus, for the witness that we're going to be this week in every setting that we go into, at school and at college and in the workplace, in the community, with our neighbours. Wherever we are, Father, we praise your name, that we're going to see you work and move in people's lives. And everybody shouted, Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. 
For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.